There's just so much about Alaska. <clears throat> I remember after I stopped talking, you know, and uh, not so much remember one of them, uh, you know, I think it don't belong here, but then of course it does belong here because it's part of Alaska, my Alaska. And I, um, started remember me and Angela. And, you know, we actually, you know, discovered Alaska, a lot of it together, you know, riding. And she was a biker, like I said. <laughs> One day we was coming from Anchorage and uh, we got into an argument about something. I don't even know what. And she took her bike, stopped in the middle of the fucking, uh, as soon as we got off, turning it on. Took her bike and, um, Say, I'll meet you there. <laughs> and pulled off. And I couldn't believe she was driving through the goddamn woods and mountains and stuff. And uh, I finally went, you know, left her home. Because, I mean, you can't really make people do what you want them to do. And she was determined to ride her bike. No, she pulled off and left me. And I'm in the car. So I'm like, okay, waited and went up the highway a bit. And, you know, I knew that was a high mountain she was going to be climbing, but, you know, she was a biker. So I left it alone, went back to uh, Seward, to the tent. We was in a tent there. We had a sleeper sofa in the tent. Got that from Frank. And, uh, shit, the tent was laid out. It was about as wide, a little bit wider than the sleeper sofa, the tent itself. It was canvas. It was a square tent. So, uh... At the sleeper sofa on one side, and then you know the rest of the thing, and then you have your little pallets out front. You have your deck. It was really nice setup. Had your uh, on and a tarp, so when it rained, you could still sit out. And most people could set theirs up like that. And anybody who really spent any time in the tents set it up. And it was uh us and a well, there was a few couples out there doing what we was doing you know so uh they they lived in the tent and i'm like shit moved out of the bunkhouse because they start charging at the bunkhouse uh clean your room and everything and for one i just don't like people going in my personal shit i mean even outside it wasn't so safe but we didn't really have to worry about anybody coming through there and stealing anything i mean it just didn't happen i mean <laughs> amazingly Although it did happen, now, don't get me wrong, but, you know, on a scale that, you know, because we didn't really have shit there. Most of our stuff was, I'm sure we found somewhere to lock it up. And because uh, the uh, plant itself had a place where you could lock up valuables, and it did. Excuse me. So you in your tent, you just had your typical survival stuff, you know, it's sort of like in the living room that you just had a room. Uh, it was a tent, but it was a room, and, you know, I could stand up in it. Uh, and then bend my head down a little bit, not worry about uh, touching it. That was at the peak in the center. And it was maybe a, mm, goddamn, a 100 by 100 lot. And they had tents lined up against each fence. There was an open fence, well, open in at one side. But tents were lined up on one side, maybe 10, 10 by 10. And... Guessing it was about a hundred tenths there. It was well, no, maybe fifty tenths, and it was open in the center. Uh, 
Now I see they got a provision in the center there. And on the other side of the fence there, there was trailers or campers like, you know, that goes on the back of pickup trucks. Cause some people had those and they, you know, lived in it year to year and they also uh, left them. It was, there was no trucks on them and they were just on the ground uh, usually sitting on pallets to bring the uh, front up, not bring it up, keep it up without sagging. And, you, you, you know, the legs were down, and they were pretty stable. Really didn't get a lot of wind. The whole time I was up there, I only heard lightning or thunder once, and it hit the mountain. Well, I don't know where the lightning was, but I know the thunder, the sound hit the mountain, and it was an echo like God Damn, Hiroshima, I would imagine. <laughs> but that was a frightening sound. It's unlike the lightning you hear down in the open space. I mean, when it hit those mountains and reverberate throughout, it's like amazing. <laughs> but, you know, we lived in, in uh, so there was campers there. I think there was campers, uh, just a square, maybe uh, 50 by a hundred, the the width, the length of the uh, tent city, because that's what we call it, the tent city, and but it was uh, shorter, so they had campers on one side and campers on the other side, maybe a total of 25, 30 campers, if that many, you know, and you know, people lived in them uh, during the season, and it was actually somewhere you could live without, it have a little more shelter without the uh, weather. You could heat it up with propane and different things. And uh, cause I had actually two of them before I left. Got me in trouble too. Cause they thought I was trying to be a fucking slumlord. And I was, <laughs> I was trying to make money every kind of way I could. Cause I actually, the, the first year me and Michael was there, me and Angela, you know, I keep changing her name, but her name is Michael, she changed it. But when we were first there, we uh, lived in the dorm. Once they start charging for the dorm, looked at the situation outside, seeing how some of the people had started setting up outside, and we moved out there. Uh, we moved, like, not in the corner, because the corner was a prime spot. Uh, you don't get no kind of traffic in that corner, and they had a couple there already who'd been there, coming there for years, had that spot. Young, youngish couple, a little, about our age, but a little, maybe a little older. And they're pretty cool. Most of the people there were cool, and they were white. <laughs> Again, me and Michael were the only white one until Karen showed up. And I don't think Karen showed up that first year. Karen showed up the next year. Love with her some Michael, a white dude downtown. Well, he worked with the plant too. Michael was over QC or something. You know, one of them upright white boys who taking advantage of his uh, race. But he was cool. But, you know, you could tell he was stuck up on a fucking broomstick. <laughs> and Karen loved him. Um, there was the Shanks up there. Good people that came up there on the blue bus. Uh, I guess you call them stoners. But they were pretty good. The last time I was up there, they're still there. They're not working at the plant. They're working uh, downtown, not part of Suez. And... Uh, because I guess Suez, they the spot, you know. Uh, one of them dudes who was with the Shanks, they had with the Shank, his wife, uh, some cousins, some couple of other guys, you know. 
slick motherfuckers. I just didn't like them because he was too slick. Same way I described this black dude in the hotel other night, you know, Mr. Slick, you know, that, that was the same thing. And then you find those in every race, and it's like you could back, back, backhand them away, like, uh, it's game. But, you know, the thing about <laughs> some fucking people with that shit is just like, come on, please. You know, it, it is, you get tired sometimes of the constant you know, and I mean, he settled down sometime, but he was, you know, laid back. He was pretty much too laid back for me. And I know his game, you know, he pulled women that way, you know, and he didn't give a fuck who he pulled, you know, and, you know, but I wasn't a jealous man then. <laughs> then. But the Shanks, they was all right. And uh, as, as, Everybody did who was smokers. They were close to Frank, too. So, the dealer. So, we, uh, who else was there? Um, there was the mechanic crew, you know, the women. Uh, there was the QC crew. I forget the girl name with the glasses on. Um, she invited me to dinner when Michael started working at, um, um, in, in Seattle, and I was up there alone that last year, and I'm like, thank you, no. And, you know, I I didn't want to think it was she was putting a move on me, but, you know, I refused because I didn't want to even put myself in that situation, you know, not with somebody who knew my wife, or anybody else, in fact. <laughs> but the thing is, she, uh, she was nice people and a lot of them, look most of the people were nice after they got to know us and get past this uh oh that's a black person you know and, and, and I'm sure a lot of that could be attributed to the speediness of it is to Roger's wife because Roger's wife you know she was black there was no doubt about it you know she put on a fucking anything and you look at her face Put on a mask, you know, because they get cold up there sometimes. You can see that face. So, I mean, but I'm sure she went through some shit to mild them out. But then it was a pretty stable place. Uh, most of it was actually made up then when people were from somewhere else. Hardly anybody but the kids were from Seward, you know. Their parents were from, from somewhere else. Stopped there, got into the fishing business, and boom, that was it. Uh, but you could stand, you know, in the, those areas, like what well, the sleeping arrangement, and then the bunkhouse was just right up that. Um, and the bunkhouse was a two-story long building, sort of like the project, but it wasn't brick. One like one of the project buildings, you know. Uh, there's just that one entrance in it, and then you know, right, left, up, down. And they had rooms on each side, just rooms. It could be for two people or one people. If you brought somebody with you like me and Angela, we took up a room. And God, I worked so fucking hard sometime. And I and I, I was a sleepwalker. <laughs> I started sleepwalking. And I woke me up in the corner one time taking a piss. I have no idea how that happened. But I uh, started sleepwalking and... Uh, I worked so hard and was so fucking tired. 
And uh, then, you know, you used to have to watch me <laughs> because I, it, it became a habit. But uh, it passed. It, it really passed once I started working um, the uh, machine. You know, I hardly had time for anything. Take a shower, go in there, sleep. And next thing you know, when I had to pee, I'd wake up. It's time to go to work. You know, it's still bright. I mean, not even bright yet. You know, it's twilight. But, uh... And that's like five o'clock in the morning. Machines got to be up and running. If they got fish, you know, sometimes you work all night. Depends it's how much fish you got. If you could put some off later to processing, but if you got some steady stream of fish coming in, you got to, you know, process it. So, and I understood that. I didn't mind it at all. It wasn't nothing but fucking money to me. It was like anything over eight hours. Wasn't that forty hours yet? So, you know, we. uh you know, uh, Angela got into the uh, back dock area with Justin because Annie was in HR, you know, uh, Jody. I don't know what Jody was doing. I remember Jody being there, but I don't know what the fuck Jody did. And I think that was uh, Annie's girlfriend at the time. I know they lived downtown together because we spent a lot of time by their place. They they felt in good with uh, uh, Angela, so... <laughs> I felt there too, you know, they're pretty good people. And Michael worked, or Angela worked in back dock with uh, Justin. Justin was a supervisor, tall, one of these masculine looking homosexuals. He was cool, you know, and like I said, I grew up around the gays in New Orleans. So, I mean, did it bother me? Hell no, it didn't bother me at all. And a lot of people, you know, wore, uh, let's say, kind of assumed I would be open because I uh, was from New Orleans. So, a lot of them assumed I was gay because I was from New Orleans too, but switched their mind soon. But the, uh, you know, Justin was pretty cool and he uh, ran a tight shift back then, back there. <laughs> he did, he was like a, a fucking tall Hitler. Ain't smile or nothing occasionally but uh until after the season but he was all about business and that's what icicle was about and that's what i admired about icicle these people fucking worked and they done what they had to do to keep that shit done and i was part of that and i felt good about that um that first year was pretty damn good uh i made some money and we got up and we left i think we flew out left the car up there Flew out and we went and uh, bought a car, went to Ohio, uh, stayed there for maybe a month with our parents. And it was, it was fucking cold there. Cause I think we left, it was August. Cause Angela worked in back dock, back dock pretty much the last thing that's gonna close. So I just hung around. I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't spending no money. They had downtown, the library, hang out in the studio, go walk, uh, not the studio, the day room. Cause uh, uh, housing became free again and uh, that's if you wanted to go inside you could still stay outside as long as you wanted to until they closed 10 city down um, but there was a day room look at movies and you know I discovered music a little more music that's why I discovered seals and a whole bunch of other people and there was public radio got into the uh, storybook hour had got a shortwave and I still got a shortwave today. 
And uh, the one I had, oh, God, that damn thing lasted forever. And I, uh, <laughs> I stopped using it for about a year or so, put it up, maybe a couple of years. I ended up somewhere, stopped using it inside a city somewhere. It wasn't, you know, I mean, I could turn on my car radio for the radio stations. I would get it, and I could have got somebody. I didn't want to go through the antenna and shit. And uh, not where I was, because it was like you call people, let people know what you got, and next thing you know, they're trying to take what you got. Not all the time, but uh, what's that cable? What's that wire? That's your cable? You know. But... I actually got out of it for a while and then went back and uh, my battery was messed up. Screwed the whole radio up. So, you know, I uh, it was a couple of years later, I think I bought another radio. And I, um, might have been just a few years ago when me and Michael first hooked back up and was, we was, because I know I definitely had it then. But, you know, after, uh, you know, Michael Dem or Angela Dem and the Bagdad crew was gone, they didn't have really much to do, um, you know, because the mechanics was shutting down the machine, cleaning them up, putting them up for the, uh, for the winter because uh, it got cold, biting cold up there. And, you know, town was slowing down, you know, I'm riding around town. I had a bicycle then. Uh, got a lot of dental work done up there. Oh, God, I was so tired getting that dental work. I would fall asleep, and they'd wake me up when it was done. I'm getting fucking root canals, <laughs> uh, uh, caps, all kind of shit done because I had pretty good damn insurance, and insurance kicked in fast up there. Uh, like back in the day, you know, insurance kicked in maybe 90 days or a, a month. A good incentive to stay because you know turnover was uh no no in there you always got to take time and train somebody else even for the least little thing so they don't hurt themselves but it was a machine and it was uh a good machine of fucking tearing a lot of fish through none of the thing but but and i'm sure it's uh the last time i went up there it's pretty much it was the same way uh but we left and we ended up in ohio uh, we bought a van because we left the car, the little Honda Civic that we got up there in. We left it up there, didn't get back on the highway. Flew down to um, somewhere in Ohio on a fucking plane or somewhere. And got off, ended up in Lima, Ohio, Girt Town, and bought a van, Mitsubishi, white Mitsubishi van. And we in, uh, ended up with a... Uh, The van there, and we just stayed in Ohio a while, and then we started moving around. Ended up, uh, I think, in Virginia Beach that first year, uh, that first winter, because yeah, we had to spend the money. Had to, uh, and my little niece was there, uh, Lindrice. She was in the military, just lost her child. And we were there and she was going through some bad times and didn't know how to drive but had this car, Jaguar. <laughs> that fucking raggedy ass Jaguar made me learn something about European cars. They shit. But we uh, 
went ahead and uh, hung around Lynn, and then when the season came, I worked a couple of jobs. I got a job working uh, at a call seller selling bullshit where people are signing names for these free trips. Win a free vacation. Yeah, right. Your name going in the pile. And we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names. It would be stacks, new stacks coming in. And you get a couple of those and try to get them. But I, I wasn't good at it. You know, I wasn't talk, I wasn't good at talking people into shit I knew they didn't need. I mean, if I needed something and I thought there may be a chance I need, I might sell it. But if it's not, like insurance, insurance was fucking easy for me. Because by law, it's a necessity. If you own a vehicle and use it, uh, have a home, you got to insure it, especially if you got a, in a flood zone. And, you know, it's by law if you, and then they, you know, put out mandates, insurance companies mandates when a storm coming and make sure you can't buy nothing just for this little minute. So it, uh, I, I just couldn't sell it. They were selling pens, stickers, and everything for business. And mostly, um, I don't know how we got the business address, but it was shit you're selling. Or we just even sell it to people, you know, make it a personal sale to people. So with that, I couldn't do that. Ended up working for uh, this guy um, painting and this racist motherfucker. And I was... I'm still fucked up about heights because of vertical and stuff. I just don't deal with heights too good. We, uh, I couldn't work with him. You know, he was too motherfucking demanding. You know, I'm, uh, you know, it was him and another dude, and, you know, they didn't think I was painting fast enough, you know, and, you got not paint right, and really, I didn't know nothing about painting. But I mean, you know, if you can't take the time to show me really how to paint down, when we down, you know, what the fuck you complaining? Because I'm up there and I'm trying to reach. You know, fuck you. You ain't tell me nothing about no insurance or nothing. So, I uh, I quit and I went and found another job at a little uh, a business had a cafeteria. I was good at working in the kitchen, so I uh, kind of. Did that for a couple of months. We put that money on the side, and we made just enough money to have gas to get back to, uh, or plane fare to get back to Alaska. We uh, drove the car to uh, Utah, uh, Salt Lake City, right outside Salt Lake City. Uh, and we had a friend, Patrick, knew him and his family. Some Mormons. <laughs> you see there, I got to know some Mormons. And, uh, they were cool people. I can't think of the uh, Mexican names who lived downtown, but they was fucking crazy cool. Oh, my God. These, I mean, you know, it, it showed me right then, you know, with Alaska. And, you know, now... Yeah, I've been around already. I was in the military. I was in that structured environment. I was in uh, New Mexico, and that was kind of, I got out a bit doing different things. Me and, um, I forgot the damn woman's name, Amanda, Mandy. So we we spent more time away when I was in the military. She spent more time <laughs> in New Orleans, and I spent more time there alone. And, uh, 
I, I did a bit of traveling alone, me and Carolyn Ivory. Carolyn Ivory was a friend of mine. Uh, we worked in the same shop, and her boyfriend worked in the same shop or somewhere, you know. And we used to run down to, uh, did it a couple of times, ran down to uh, 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 El, El Paso. The damn car broke down in Rio Dosa. Or oh, we went over to the border, down to El Paso, going over to Walras. And the damn car broke down in Rio Dosa. I think it was the start of some shit. And got it fixed, you know, and then went ahead on and uh, got back on the road. But, you know, so I had been around a bit, you know, then been to all the Jesse James place, Billy the Kid, Fort Sumner, all that shit in the area, you know. Uh, 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 Warrad. The Warrad wasn't bad, dude. So, it was actually, I did a lot of the Southwest. My daughter, Maria, was born down there. My other daughter was born when I was in the military. She was born in New Orleans. They came up there a little bit later, her and her, uh, uh, her mama. And they came back anyway. And then, you know, we just left. But, we got back to Alaska, and I was, uh, you know, doing the front dock and everything until salmon season come. But when salmon season came, uh, they had that, it had a job opening in the kitchen. It was paying more money. It was a little easier working. I didn't mind working in the kitchen. So I took that job, third cook, and really just a prep. And uh, I worked in there for that year. And then I started learning about food because they had this kid in there. I think his name was Daniel. Um... There wasn't any women working in there. Because the women worked there the last year, all got fired or some bullshit. And I think they had a, uh, I think Jim was there that year. And that first year, Jim did good. That second year, Jim was fucking raging drunk. And uh, it might have happened that first year. Because uh, Marilyn was there, I believe. She was the, no, Marilyn, I hired her the next year when I was running the kitchen. But when then I had to uh, learn about food, uh, I actually changed my diet, got to be vegetarian. Where I had went from 250 pounds last year, uh, I was down to uh, 199, 200 pounds. And I actually stopped weighing myself, but anytime I weighed myself after being vegetarian, I found out my body weight had stabled at 199 pounds. Um, I ate fish. I completely stopped meat, and I ate a bunch of fucking vegetables. And I actually was on a bike a lot. Did a lot of biking, did a lot of walking. That was my thing. I did a lot of walking. And went up marathon a whole lot. I used to go up there with Wolf all the time. Or somebody. I'd go up there with anybody. Bring a, a, a beer, because that was my reward once I got to the top of Marathon. Yeah, I know a lot of people ran up that fucking, but I wasn't about running up a mountain. <laughs> and, you know, only thing you had to do was be careful of the devil's claw and the bears. And when me and Angela used to hike, we would just go hiking, long fucking hikes. I mean, have a map, you know, the compass and everything else, and that's how I learned how not to read a road map, but a, a, a landscape map. That's where, you know, I started reading and learning about the different levels. Woman was amazing. Fuck, she taught me a lot. 
<laughs> to my wife's ear. But, you know, we did a little more that next summer until, you know, the, you know, after we got there, you know, they was feeding us and the food was free until the season started. Um, not, and, and even when it started, it was subsidized, you know, buy a meal for $3. It was $2 back then. And then, um, so we did a lot of hiking and shit. We, <laughs> I'd hike with a bell, you know, because I didn't want to run into no fucking bear who wake up constipated and shit, hungry, irritable. I wasn't about that. So I put a little ding, 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 and that was advisable. Put the bell on and boom. You got, that's early warning. Any moose or bear hit that shit, you know, they're going to scamper off, hopefully. And uh, maybe check out from a distance, especially if they got babies. You just don't want to run into a bear and be stuck between a fucking bear and his child. Oh, God. So I was always careful. And Michael just didn't like it. She loved the solitude and the quiet. And I did, too. But fuck, I love living. And, I mean, moose been known to kill people and you know people go back there shit happened to them they never seen or heard from <laughs> again you know uh unless they with somebody who get away <laughs> but I, I figured that was the biggest target so a bear come right after my ass because i'm once once they know i charge you you hear about don't run stand up and make yourself bigger like fuck that i might just faint i see a fucking bear but thing was I did my bail and she didn't like it so usually I was in front of her she was behind me and usually it was I was behind her because then I'd uh the bail was on my backpack always carried a backpack but you know we I did a lot of hiking so when I would go up marathon my reward would be a beer take me about 45 minutes Slowest, I mean, the longest, fastest I've ever done it was 30 minutes. And that's what I've always worked on once I was going, started going a marathon. Because they had different trails, and I didn't try to go easy trails, but I just walked up it, you know. Found a good trail and walked up and stuck with its usual trail. And actually, once you got to the top and go back a little further, you could see a glacier up there. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> this is, I, look. I just saw so many, I don't want to say new things, but new things to me because, you know, you, as I said, I was into these programs uh, about nature, wildlife, space. You know, they had the 21st century, uh, Wild Kingdom, all this shit used to come on, and I was fucking deep in there. Even as I got a little older, was running the streets a little bit, I was find time to look at that if I was around home, you know, and was around my friends listening to Richard Pryor, Red Fox, or whoever. Or even music, or running behind, you know, the girls. That's what they did. I was there too. Not running behind the girls. I was kind of shy. But anyway, that's another story. Let's move this page. So, in Alaska, um, we uh we had a good time um 
Um, we were glad to be back up there. It was sort of a special kind of freedom. Um, again, they were feeding us, you know, a meal a day, maybe two meals a day. And uh, nothing fancy, but making sure we eat and stay around. Because, I mean, you know, business gone boom and you want to keep the people you got. And there was some people who come there, eat a little bit, and uh, go to another job. Bounce. You know, a lot of them young men would find jobs on a boat. Uh, women, too, they would find if they had a, um, what they call these boats, uh, or where they, where they process the fishes. You know, I can't think of the name of it. A cannon boat or whatever. But they had those out uh, in uh, the ocean where people uh, worked. Some of them sank. I know the year before we went up there, it was sank, one sank. The year after we was there, one was had a misfortune. A couple of people got hurt. But it wasn't um, a whole lot. I wasn't going out on a boat. That just wasn't my thing. Uh, there also was in, uh, what's this, uh, Dutch Harbor, places like that where a lot of boats and, you know, before that shit came to TV about the fishing, I knew about that shit and the crabbing. Though I hadn't been involved in crabs, but because we maybe picked up a couple of boats with crabs, and I don't know. Uh, I did see them, but we didn't process it. And they actually processed those crab boats on on the, uh, on those processing boats, processed the crabs there. And because uh, I've heard stories, talk to the people and stuff, but I mean, going to one that just wasn't what I was interested in doing a boat, not even uh, uh, the fishing boats, because they run into some rough water. And I can't swim. And I even went to, they even had a gym up there in the uh, sewer at the school, and they had a fucking great pool. And I learned how to swim. <laughs> I learned how to swim up there. <laughs> In the in the pool, and I can I can save my life now, but I still didn't trust water. So working boats was not an option. A lot of people would come there, like I said, stay there, go find a job somewhere, and then be they disappear. <laughs> and next thing you know, they might be downtown. You see a glimpse of them somewhere else, getting off somebody's boat. You know, might even pull into a, a sewer docks. And sewer had a like that. Too big of a dock, but a big enough dock where they could park three boats there and you unload them. Uh, actually, park more than three, but three to in an unloading spot, uh, and then maybe a couple on each side of that. And then you had the long pier where you, they would tie up and hold and wait. So I mean, it was like a big old horseshoe, and they had the end spot, the last, the the first spot in that harbor, you know. You wasn't going no further than uh, that. Now you could go on the right, and yeah, on I guess that's the north. Would that be the north? Hell, if I know. But there was another open part of the bay. But you know, Seward had a lot, and actually, in that open part of the bay now is where they're parking the damn ships, the cruise ships coming up there. So the. Uh, Depends on the rise and fall of the water. You know, when you're at sea level, so the water rise and fall with the tide. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. And worked on those boats. Some of them were big. Some of them were little. Some had ice on them. Some didn't. Um, 
thing was our job when I worked on that was to unload in it. So, but standing out there, you could always get a good view of Resurrection Bay. Uh, there was a spit on it, you know, in between the next open part of the harbor, well, closed part of the harbor. And uh, JR, big redhead, wolfman looking dude, got tight with him, learned how to play cribbage. He taught me how to play cribbage. And uh, cribbage is a car game, and I, it, it, I just couldn't get it at first. And then I got it. <laughs> Got my ass kicked a whole bunch, but I got it. And but that was Jr. Jr. had a brother out there who worked at the plant. I can't think of his name though. But everybody knew Jr. Red headed, red hair, white boy. And the thing about people in Alaska, they wore their hair. The facial hair, the wood all on, head hair, and then it was part of the being warm, you know, because, I mean, it don't hurt. You cut your shit off, you know. Like, I'm down here now, I just cut all my hair off the, yesterday, well, in the hotel. My head cold, I had to go buy a cap. Luckily, I went to the wall, uh, uh, to the Goodwill and found a wool, lamb wool cap. Just like the cap I had bought up in Seward that they sell down at the fish house. That's another store down there where you buy your extra tough boots and stuff. And uh, Fish House actually seem to have gotten bigger because the last time I was there. But it's still good. That's where you still get your extra tough. Fuckers ain't no $30 no more. They're like $100 fucking dollars. And I had to buy me a pair. And they didn't have anything but the uh, uh, steel toe. And I shouldn't have gone them. I should have just got the regular ones like I had because, I mean, they were beautiful. They was insulated, and they were um, they were my size, <laughs> you know, 15, 14, 15. I didn't spend a lot of time uh, in the bars or anything. Sometimes I would go to the bar with Frank when it got slow. Hey, man, let's go have a beer. Sure, go have one. And that first year, when I worked the uh, machines, like I say, I didn't get into vegetarian till the next year when I worked in a cookout. But that first year, me and Frank would go downtown, and Frank uh, would want to. I think it wasn't the Breeze; it was the place across the fucking street. Cause the Breeze, I just didn't like the Breeze. Uh, seemed like a bunch of fucking cracker races ran it, you know, and. Uh, that's where I had that nigga comment. And I followed those dudes. But it was across the street. God, I want to say the name. Where they had the rail splitter. What the rail splitter was a burger with che uh, uh, cheese, mushroom, I think, all kind of things, and bacon. <laughs> and I had one of those fucking things with Frank. Yeah, what I had my own, you know. And I had fries and shit with that. And I'm like, but I remember that fucking name, the rail splitter. And, you know, it's about the rails in your ribs, rib cage. You go split your rib cage because it's so good. But it was a good burger. Well, you know, when you was up there and had a little change and you was able to afford shit, it was all good. And I made my money, you know, I, uh, I did make that money and I didn't spend no money and you know that was the good thing because like I said we went 
we took our money after that first year, went down to the lower 48, and we bought the uh, Mitsubishi van. Uh, van we left up in Utah and flew back up there. And we had the other car up there, the Honda. So we got around with the Honda up there that second year. And also uh, did a lot, lot of different hiking. Went up to uh, the base, well, the lower part of Denali. And, uh, but, you know, you get close to the college, like, uh, what was this place? Fuck. Because that crystal meth had made it up there to uh, Fairbanks. So, you know, it was kind of like a different place. Uh, it hadn't uh, made it down there to sewer and shit yet. Definitely in Anchorage, you know, that second year we noticed. Well, the first year we didn't stay there that long anyway. But it was still an amazing place. And um, the second year I worked in a cookhouse, uh, we got on up, left, and it was a routine. And that that second summer or winter in the lower 48, we, uh, I didn't work at all. I actually got a tattoo because I, I got a tattoo, first tattoo on my chest. Where the sun? right or left side, right side of my chest, and it's a small clover, maybe an inch. That motherfucker, and that was in, uh, where were we? We, because we rented a place with Annie and Jody down in, um, no, actually, we were in San Antonio that year, and that's the year that when I worked at, um, the Taco Bell place, refined, well, no, I don't want to say refined, where they process the place where they process the taco meat. <laughs> oh my God, and people would not believe why this shit was being cooked in big old vats. This meat, but, uh, 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 and it was clean now, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a nasty place, I got to say it, it was a but I was amazed at they, how they cooked that shit in bulk, that taco meat. And they got fucking cows and shit right out there in the back that they used to slaughter. So it come right from the fucking slaughterhouse inside that place. And this fucking another industry. And I, you know, I got that job because I uh, worked up in Alaska in the fishing industry. So, you know, and that was cool. Uh, did that. And then I... Uh, I just didn't want to do that long because it was, I wasn't going to do all that standing up now and was going to, you know, go back to Alaska. So, I mean, and it wasn't making that much money. So I applied for a job at the hotel downtown, the Marriott, and got the banquet cook job. And they said they found weed in my system. I'm like, you know, well, I went to a party in Alaska before I left and uh, everybody there was smoking. I mean, the shit's legal there, but... And they said, oh, okay then. I forget the dude named Thad. And uh, he, uh, he was pretty cool. And I, he hired me and I ended up working with these, uh, in, with the banquet cooks. Um, and made some money, made some money. We got a flight back up there. I don't know why we left the van this time. Probably in Utah again. 
and went on back up there for the third year. Third year, I ended up running the cookhouse because fucking Jim, Jim didn't make it back. Jim was a uh, stone cold alcoholic. He was suffering bad, and uh, he worked the ship, and that's what he did all the running in the kitchen on the ships, but he couldn't take working on land because the alcohol downtown was too close and they had some bars at the other end of town. I couldn't even tell you the name of because I stepped in them once or twice. The Yukon Gold maybe one of them names. But uh what uh I I stepped in once just to say I had been in the bar and sue them, you know, did the when I first got there, did the tourist thing. So, with that, I uh, never hung in the bars or anything. Like, the, the most I went was the place across there where they sold a rail splitter, and that was pretty close to uh, to the icicle. That's what we used to call it. I don't know what else. Icicle, that's all we call it. I don't think we call it the plan or anything. So, that third year, um, didn't do as much hiking or anything. Um, ran the kitchen, I saved some money, oh fuck. And I had, a, I, there was a couple of uh, distributors. And since I was in charge, you know, I'm looking at things, I'm looking at the uh, charge. And I want to get a, the best product for the least amount of money. Now I had a food distributor, I had a meat distributor, I had Cisco who would try to distribute everything, you know, big corporations trying to take over, and they had actually been ordering everything, you know, fresh vegetables was coming from one place, but Cisco was trying to do it all. Cisco would have cheap prices on one thing, but kick you in your fucking ass on another thing. So actually, Cisco was fucking you. I told all the distributors, I had maybe three or four of them, told all the distributors when I took over the kitchen, I need to see, uh, the invoice, the product invoices, so I can make a, you know, a decision on where I'm gonna order things from. Cisco bucked that shit, you know? Uh, the shit I was getting from Cisco, you know, after two weeks, and he, t you know, he wanted to treat me like a fool. Well, man, you know, this thing is, they order this and this. I was like, dude, I know what they did. I'm telling you what I'm doing now. You're gonna give me it to me. He wouldn't give it to me, I stopped ordering from him. He bring that shit to the plant. Go over my fucking head and go to the plant. I'm like, dude. And they call me in the plant, say, what's going on? I'm like, look, you hired me to do this. This is my job, right? You want me to just go ahead, keep giving him money and not know that I could buy somewhere cheaper? I said, all I asked him was uh, for the uh, invoice, price invoice for every product they sell to us that we buy from them and what they may hope to sell it. That's it. Okay, you're right. Next thing you know, week later, he brought a fucking invoice there. I was, I restricted his ass to, and I didn't stop buying things from him or buy something from nobody else. I got with the cheapest shit. I saved $50,000. <laughs> got a nice bonus. You hear me? That fucking first year I ran it. So uh, after shutting down the kitchen, I had Marilyn in there. Marilyn was good with music. We had the stereo in there and people would come in there. And that was the year Eddie 
wanna call itself fucking with me. And uh, Eddie was one of the mechanics, but also that year they had uh, in the cookhouse, the year before they didn't, we had two portions of the cookhouse, two big rooms. They usually just used one room. The other room was for overflow, but we really never used it the year before or any time I ever seen before. But uh, uh, so they took that back room and they made it out of uh, one, two, three, maybe four apartments. And now our cooler was back there, the freezer, <laughs> the cooler freezer. And when you open it, it's where it had one of these big fucking huge old clanking. Bang! And I mean, whether you could not open it quietly. Now, the mechanics was there. Granted, the mechanics worked their ass off. But I did too. I got up five o'clock every fucking morning, made sure breakfast was cooked. I had one cook there with me doing breakfast because I didn't do breakfast very good. Marilyn was there. I, she did breakfast while I prepped up and set up things, made the plan for the day. You had a menu already set. So God gathered all the stuff, you know, and boom. And I did this until they made sure the evening meal was served, finished that up. I walked off, and they finished up the rest, cleaned up, closed up, because that's what I did when I was third cook. So I had Marilyn. Marilyn was a baker. Marilyn was funny, though. And we had the music that Marilyn turned me on to the Almond Brothers, to Dave Matthew Band. Oh, fuck. And I jammed. We jammed in the kitchen. And that music with my music, her music, wolf music. I think Patty had a, Patty was probably in, uh, to the Almond Brothers too. But Patty had this wolf man husband, Biker. Uh, what was his name? Dave. It was Dave and Patty. And Patty was redhead. And Patty worked in the kitchen with us. And oh, fuck. Patty husband was scary, but he was cool though, you know. Uh, once you got to know him, him and his crew rode up there on a bike, on their motorbikes. And uh, he was into hunting, hunting, uh, bull hunting, I think he told me. Because I sat down there and started talking to him. <laughs> you never know nobody till you start talking to him. And I mean, you know, appearances, I mean, like I said, the wolf man look up there in Alaska. He was that and more on a bike. And, you know, him and his friends, a couple of his friends rode up there on a the bike and um, rode down there on a the bike and visited Patty. Because Patty and her husband, I think, stayed up around Bear Lake. And the only way I remember that place because I was up there recently. And he it was out into the woods and in, in the hunting and everything. I guess because that's what he talked about, told me about and uh, I got some meat from him, I think. One of them times he came down there. And, uh, you know, of course, Patty, in the office now, it was something about these people in the office, you know. They was upright tight. And, I mean, but we worked in the kitchen. We worked off-site, and we actually dealt with the people. We didn't, we didn't, uh, We weren't supervising the people, overseeing what they were doing in the shop. We was in a more relaxed place then. Uh, the people, the, we ourselves were more people-like. More, not more people-like, we're more uh, communicable on the people on a social level and on, on a service level, yeah, food, feeding them, but basically they're eating fucking free. So, I mean, 
it was like wasn't a chore it was also a um a good thing to feed them you know because it gave him time to take breaks you know gave him a nice balanced meal despite the fact that Sonny, you know with his fucking dumb childish ass want to ridicule everything and you know the dude was just a fucking dick you know and i i could say you know yeah he he did that to a lot of people you know ridiculed shit and he been there for fucking years and hadn't risen yet because he didn't want to take any responsibility and anybody who did take responsibility especially those who rose up a little early you know because they took the chance and took the opportunity that was there you know he's kind of like ridiculed them and then you know that's the thing even thing about that was it's just fucked up and you know you got those who laugh at him and stuff instead of saying well so what do but he was a dick you know as he did a lot of criticizing of the food or cooking i was pretty much uh when i made it i made a lot of creole stuff there you know something i was familiar with and i knew was good and people ate it and they did the veggie burgers, did all kinds. We had a vegetarian who would eat fucking hamburger and then come back eating a veggie burger. But a lot of people were like that. And, uh, but we had an array of meals and we usually set them. Had bread out, Maryland cooked bread. Maryland was phenomenal bacon. I love the smell of bread. And uh, that was something new that we had bought there because I don't think they had baked bread before, but Maryland baked that bread, made muffins, made everything, you know, and it was along with the processed cookies we already bought that came in a box that we ordered from Cisco. That's the fucking thing they had to eat. But we had fresh vegetables, and the thing is, um, the year before, they spent 150-something thousand, or maybe even more, on uh, the kitchen with the food and everything. With, well, just the food. And... I, like I say, I reduced that by $50,000. But the thing about getting things to Alaska, it's expensive to get things there. So once they get there, it's even the distributors or the sellers going to sell it for a profit. And, you know, this thing fucking things are fucking outrageously high up there. So usually, you know, I didn't spend my money downtown, didn't buy nothing extra to eat, hardly. Uh, and I saved my money, and I ate where I was getting my food subsidized. Plus, I was getting my food free then. As long as you work in a cookhouse, you don't have to pay for that. And again, you know, it was a, a thing where you got a meal ticket, and it was like a, back then in the day, it was a dollar fifty for a meal or, or $2 for a meal. What was fucking cheap? But then you had those people who made their little money on payday and... Some of them even took off and went and got drunk, but, you know, they usually didn't last long. But, you know, the thing was drinking. If you drank there and got caught drinking and driving, you, uh, you're going to be there for the winter. Uh, and they're going to let you go back to work, make your money. But you're not going to pay it. You're going to pay that fine plus serve time. And you are... Uh, end up there in the wintertime, three months, I believe, or whatever the sentence was for drinking. So I never, uh, I wasn't a big drinker anyway. I was a beer drinker, uh, not a heavy beer drinker. I just never drank to let alcohol control me or take over, you know what I mean? Drunk where you lose all inhibitions and 
or don't care or ready to fight. So I never did that with um, alcohol. So in Alaska, it was pretty easy for me. And I already told you a story about me and Frank, and Frank led me through them fucking swamps. It's Sunday morning. I see this place where me and the dog park. It's uh, look like Compass Church, but I thought it was a farm place. Uh, right here on 32nd and back of the lot behind uh, the tractor place, behind Jack in the Box on the other side of the lot. But there's also a guy loading up some trucks there, loading up a truck with cars. I don't know where the hell he's going to get these cars from. Look like he disappeared and then come back with a car. But Alaska, you know, that last year I was in Alaska, um, that was my fourth year up there. I'm running the kitchen again. And, um, you know, I've just found it so fucking hard because... I didn't have anyone to talk me down. Michael had then took a job in Seattle, which was cool. She was making money, big money, and uh, with the same company. But she soon found out they were using her there, and you know she quit them and found another job somewhere else. I believe ended up working for Apple or somebody. But the. Um, Last year, you know, Sarah, sunny wife, a girl who looked like a looked like a candy apple. Sarah had red, red, red hair. Other than her head, it was, you know, the top of her body was big and round, and she had little pencil legs. Looked like a fucking apple. Looked like one of them apple candy apples on a fucking stick. And. She was one of these people who laugh and joke with you and fuck right over you. You know, one of these little people with hidden agendas. Um, and, you know, with her husband whispering in her ear all the time, I'm sure it was um, a lot of what he said, too. No, Sarah was a, you know, a strong woman, you know, from what we could see, but, you know, Sonny. Sonny picked the right one because Sonny knew how to influence it. And Sonny wasn't about shit. Sonny was somewhere from the lower 48, went up there, started working, hooked up with Sarah. Sarah was the breadwinner, and he just was riding that coattail, just sitting back doing nothing, talking shit. Uh, yep, that was Sonny. That was his birth. But um, truck I had to deliver stuff over to the plant broke. Couldn't get it fixed for some fucking reasons. And, um, thing came up with Eddie. Eddie started making this noise about me getting up early, waking them up. Because they moved them there so they could be closer to the job, wake up at 6 o'clock. And I'm making noise by going in the back, going in there, getting ready for breakfast. Every morning now, he started getting up. You gotta stop making that noise. You telling me what the fuck to do. I'm like, look, dude, I gotta do this shit. Don't bother me this morning. Shit like that. That went on for about a fucking week and he won't come up to me with some strong shit. Talking about, I better stop that noise. Man, you better get the fuck out of my face. Brought that shit to the office and everything. 
I'm like, okay, what, what, what do I do? Sarah told me, well, get the stuff and put it in the refrigerator. I said, that ain't going to work. Unless you're going to buy a big refrigerator, put every fucking thing I need in it. Because everything we need for breakfast to feed this plant, to get started in the morning, to feed this plant. To feed 300 people as, as, as starting at 6 o'clock. If we do that, where are we going to put it? I said, I got to go back there to get the stuff. That's the only place. The cooler's right there. I'm sorry. They couldn't do nothing. I mean, you know, it was bullshit. And I'm sorry I had to do it. But, I mean, don't fucking make my job hard. Just because you put some fucking earplugs in or something. Don't do not do this. Don't fucking make me tiptoe around my fucking job for you. And, and, and. They were the first one in there, and every morning he would be there, eyes red and angry and shit. Cat Marilyn cooked breakfast, so he ate breakfast. I think he stopped even coming in for breakfast. But what uh, that shit went on, and uh, we used to send it lunch over to the mechanics instead of them coming over there. Uh, trying to get past all these people. As soon as lunch broke, they had their lunch right there. We had them sent it over there. They knew what we was having because they usually find out in the morning. And they say, hey, can I have this, this, this? And we, yeah. Put it in the box it up as soon as lunch. They say, hey, lunch going to be in 10 minutes because it always fluctuated. And we'll have their lunch over there and put what they wanted in the box and put their name on the box. Now, I had nothing to do with fixing the place. I just... I just supervised the kitchen. Basically, it was Marilyn fixing the plate. So we used to put their name on it. So what I started doing was putting uh, Eddie's name in red. Everybody else's name was in black. Start sending it over like that. After about a week of that shit, maybe even less, they asked me, why Eddie's name in red? Why, you want your name in red too? They knew I was from New Orleans, you know. Thanks, voodoo. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, did that shit. Next thing you know, they coming over there reporting. Frank and the girl. I forget the girl name. What's her name? I could I could see it. A little short thing, short hair. She was butch. Maybe that was Jody girlfriend. I don't know, but. Uh, They'll come over there with the report about Eddie's sick, Eddie can't eat. Now, I, I know I had nothing to do with that. It was them, each and every one of them mechanics, who even, in Eddie, thought I was done something, put some kind of magic spell on it, voodoo or whatever you, and they were just waiting for Eddie to get sick. Now, they don't know how powerful the mind is. When them waiting for Eddie to get sick, they're actually making Eddie sick. Eddie can't eat. Eddie can't even look at that food. So boom. I hear about that for about a few days. And finally, uh, Eddie's supervisor, <laughs> Mike. I can't think Mike even told somebody. Mike come over there. Old white truck Z77 Mike uh, and uh, Dooley. He uh, 
come to ask me what's going on. You know, when somebody asks you what's going on, they know what the fuck going on already. And, you know, I work for Mike, so, you know, you always been direct with me. I said, well, you know what's going on, man. That shit in the morning. You know, I said, come here. Let me show you what's going on. And I showed him, took him for a walk in the fucking kitchen. Past the kitchen to the back where the apartment was, which he had been already, but he never thought to go in the fucking cooler. Oh, so what's this door here? So I opened the door. Say, how do you stop this? How do you stop that noise, man? Say, I got to do this job. Every morning I got to have breakfast ready at six o'clock. What time the plan open? What time do your mechanics have to be there? 6.15, 15 minutes after they get breakfast. So come on, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. All I know, I need Eddie to get off my fucking back. And he couldn't say shit. Well, why you put it in red? I said, that's my prerogative, man. I said, fuck. Got a problem with that? Bring it to the office. Bringing every fucking thing else to the office. I didn't say that. I said, bring it to the office, man, if you got a problem with that shit. Just the color of a marker. So, after about a week, Eddie came and uh, apologized. <laughs> Humble as a motherfucker. Sit there in that cookhouse in the, uh, on that old bench, round seat. And... Man, look, I'm sorry. Let me apologize. Shouldn't have done that. I'm like, look, Eddie. I hear what you're saying, yeah. But that ain't gonna change the fact that I still got to get my ass up every morning and go do this. So, yeah, you handle it different now, but what about in a week, two weeks, man? Same shit. No, I don't need that, Eddie. You don't need it, I don't need it. I didn't ask them to put you there. <laughs> so, I say, I was trying to get everything out at one time that I'm gonna need for that breakfast. But I can't get it all out at one time. I gotta make a couple of trips there and then you can sleep, but damn, I got to do this. <laughs> but. Anyway, we got past that shit. We apologized. He apologized. And uh, went on back to the plant. That day, I let Marilyn start writing the names on all the things again. And she wrote it in uh, her handwriting in black. Because <laughs> she said, what color? And that was the thing for the day. And... Uh, as a matter of fact, Marilyn was writing them in red. She just told her what color. Because it was a game to her. She thought it was bullshit, too, because uh, she was there in the morning. She was my own morning person, you know, because she had to start her baking early. But uh, from that time, Sarah just fucking flipped and made it hard, you know, because she was assistant plant manager. Melanie was plant manager. Melanie spent so much time in Seattle, different places, trying to rise up a little more in the rank. Because I don't know where Melanie worked. She was in HR the year before, head of HR. <clears throat> and uh, 
I think Sarah was underneath her then, so Sarah ended up being assistant plant manager. What a fucking joke. And uh, Sarah used her little position to uh, make shit hard for me. And I ended up quitting. Like, Fuck it, I quit. I quit on them on a the weekend. And uh, they called me back, tried to get me to come back, you know. Went back and they like, look, maybe on second thought, I'm like, you motherfuckers. Okay, cool. Cool. Drove off again. Sold the car and caught a flight. And that was my last Alaska day until I went up there in September again. But then I bounced and landed in Seattle and stayed up there for fuck. Maybe three years. Actually, uh, saw Gregory Wilkes. Right there on uh, one of the Wilkes brother, one of them twins. I think it was Gregory. And uh, saw him on, uh, fuck, one of them damn street. He was doing building, not maintenance, building air conditioning up there in Seattle. So, uh, I, not because, not uh, him, but, you know, Mike was up there. Me and Mike, we had an apartment. You know, I spent a lot of time up there doing some bacon because I missed Maryland bacon. So I stopped baking in my own and we lived in an apartment and somebody else used to bake too. And that big bread used to fill the air. So every weekend I got into bacon, had me a little stone and everything else to bake it in the oven. And then fuck, that was another way to survive. But some of those bread just too fucking long to bake. And you got to be in a structure to break, bake them. And, uh, I can see why they did that shit in the castle because they used that shit to heat the place too. But anyway, I'm gonna end this and I think that's pretty much it on Alaska, but no, it's not, you know. I didn't talk about the crows that hopped. Fucking crows were so big. You see a raven down here, that ain't shit. You see a raven up there, that's the shit Mark uh, 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 Poe used to write about. What's his name, uh, Edgar Allen. And uh, you you see his little depiction of his stuff, you in black and white, and this haunting black image of a crow. Just imagine that fucking damn near two feet tall, bouncing around. And I'm used to like, look at that otters. I seen fucking otters got to be at least four feet long. Big fat mo, even fast too. I was standing on the, uh, looking out Resurrection Bay, maybe sitting on a bench. Because uh, a lot of times we would go up there, when we first go up there, it'd be, still be a lot of snow on the ground. But, the, you know, the path would always be open and the benches. And we had a dog, Buster. That's a uh, Daisy dog. That's Frank dog dog, one of the Frank dog's puppy. Oh, Frank dog, one of her puppies. And Miss Daisy, I think her name was. Miss Daisy used to, Frank used to get fucking drunk downtown and the dog would be in the car watching him and everybody knew that either wouldn't let nobody near him wouldn't let because frank was a dealer <laughs> he had a little uh bmw he always kept a little sporty car but uh yeah he no he had a truck actually at the time and uh miss daisy would watch his ass you know and everybody knew that, so people knew he was a deal. And, you know, I'm sure there's been occasion where people would uh, walk up on him, but, you know, that dog watched him. Would fucking let him know anything come close on him. And bite him, too. 
But she was cool when he was woke and live walking around. She was cool. She was one of the friendliest dogs. Smart as a fucking whip. And we had Buster, Buster. Buster got hit. But, um, had Buster for three years, I believe. Buster traveled around with us. But, you know, Frank, Frank was one of the characters there. Uh, Charles, you know, he wasn't a character, but Charles worked on the board. He was friendly. It's, Charles was a great man. Good dude. I, uh, the date, the year we met Karen, Karen was crazy. And it was still just me, Angela, and Karen. Karen was the black girl. And Karen was pretty cool. <laughs> she just talked a lot. I think she was a teacher and did this for a uh, summer. And she was, she was cool, but she was kind of wacky. It's like, goddamn, you know, she teach children and she's in this mode where she's always not entertaining children, but entertaining or exerting something, you know, uh, 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 enthusiasm. And she was just over-enthused for me most of the time. But the work sometimes would shut her down because she, I mean, she wasn't used to that kind of physical work. But she did handle it and didn't quit. And, uh... You know, she talked to Michael a lot or Angela a lot about the different jobs, and she uh, ended up uh, helping us settle down and get a job. She befriended her, and I know Michael wasn't trying to befriend her because she was the direct opposite of Michael. Michael was uh, uh, enthusiastic, but she wasn't like uh, a needy, a needy, enthusiastic person. But Karen was cool. I like her. Oh, God, there were just so many fucking people. Um, so many things. Um, seen moose. Used to go down, drive the highway. Um, I used to spend a lot of time going up the highway. It was a 90-minute. And that's where the expression, you learn a lot of different expressions. As the crow fly. Um, the direct flight from Seward to... Anchorage was maybe 45 minutes, but that's as the crow fly. But on the road, 90 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, maybe 45 of those minutes, 50 of those minutes, you're just not coming out of the mountain. When you start at Resurrection Bay, you're going through the mountain. Fucking phenomenal. And like I said, when we first got there, there was still snow all over the place. I was clean. And it had some slides, you know, because it's starting to melt, but I've uh, not been stopped by a slide. I've seen a slide where we had to stop while they're cleaning it and it let you through one at a time. But, you know, the tree's fucking huge. Uh, the snow was so deep. And walking through Seward with all that snow. And I remember being in the cookhouse. I got a picture because I started keeping my camera with me. Got a picture of... Uh, a moose in the in the parking lot, a cookhouse, uh, the cookhouse and the uh, dorm bunkhouse served the had the same parking lot, shared the same parking lot, and uh, basically it was the bunkhouse parking lot, and there was a moose there. That's fucking huge, Mark standing in the bunk, and I've seen them before, you know. But, you know, here's one in, in town. The bears used to come in town. You know, you had to bear-proof your shit, you know. So, I mean, God, the wildlife 
was there and I stopped being scared of wildlife. Up in Seattle, I started going camping out without even a tent, just had my bag. Because the weather was nice. Uh, my bag, sleeping bag, and my guns. But in Alaska, the whole time I was in Alaska, never even carried a gun. Not until the second time I started carrying knives. But, you know, again, there was just so much. And there is so much to Alaska. And I've seen just a tip. And I love the ocean, the black sandy beaches. Um, wanted to get to Fairbanks to do some gold hunting, but it's just too cold up there. And I'm like, the state birds just kill me. The mosquitoes, I don't have that much blood. But I'm going to make this P3. Because I gonna leave Alaska alone after this. Yep, I think I am.